jury And you better watch out Cause I love Bill Murray uh. yeah. Oh yeah Come on Come on Where's all my people at? Fuck Come on Yeah They call me the honey striper I'm a lifer If you do bitch near me I'm on a knifer Michelle Pfeiffer <laughs> uh, where are we at? Where are we at? Where are we at? We good? Yeah. <sighs> Your brother faced with hard luck. Faced, 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 faced with hard luck. Hard shots, deep murderers with hard luck. Pips and card shots, deep murderers with hard luck. Your brother faced with hard luck. Good afternoon and welcome to the Hard Luck Show. I'm your certified, qualified West Side host, Steve Lucky Luciano. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, you tuned into the greatest show on earth. It's the Hard Luck Show. Coming at you from the bunker in Southern California today. Sitting on my left, my co-host, my partner. Cruising down the street in my super spot. Knocking my music, talking to hoes. Went to the block to get the scoop. Young Chris out there, coaching. A truck pulls up. Who can it be? A Yukon Denali on some twenty sticks. He rolled down his window when he started to sing. Hey, Luna, where your boy Green Day? I told the nigga like this, man. You must be a vacation somewhere on sound over Blue we have our very special special k Kevin, our hard luck show intern, and sitting in today. Kevin, Hello. welcome to the show. Thank you. What thank up? You. you are. Can you hear me? My are you? Am I hearing yourself? I think so. No. I can't hear Kevin. No. Speak up, boy. Special K. Welcome to the show. Special K. Yeah. The intern. It's his time to fucking learn. He's gonna grow up. Fucking learn. Learn. It's special, okay? Yeah. Tell me why. Hey, what's your handle on. Velociraptor or whatever the fuck game you're playing on Twitch. Valorant. Valorant. What's your handle? Uh, Dorizzle. Dorizzle. Yeah. Dorizzle. Dorizzle. Big fucking riddle. Why? Why did you pick Dorizzle? Uh, it's just a long name. Um, it's a it's a long story. But what? Short short story is um. Dorizzle. Yeah. Is that your I, gang name? Or? No, I I took a I took a. A childhood a nickname, and I just combined it with Izzle, and I was like, "All right, I'll what's, just I'll just roll with this." Wait, 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 wait. What's your childhood nickname? Um, I don't know. 
Uh, I'm not gonna say. I'm Wait a minute. I'm not gonna what? say. Why? I'm not gonna say. Why? Um, Dur- it's got D U R something in the front of it, right? Um, come on, bro. No, I, I'm not gonna say. What was it? I'm not gonna say. Why? <laughs> Just uh, Durizzle. What yeah. does that mean? Duran? No. Do you have African American no. childhood? <laughs> no, 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 no. Duran. Let's just say it had something to do with a like a childhood like cartoon. What's that? Yeah. Dorillo. Dorillo. Duran. Hey, any listeners that are listening, Mr. and Mrs. Zerbuds, if you can crack the code of Dorizzo, please let us know because yes. we can fucking we need to roast this motherfucker on that. <laughs> right? We gotta roast this dude. But uh that's not what this is about. This show is uh a very special show. This show is it from Pokemon? He's lying. Uh, were you a, a brony? No. Oh, come on. Don't <laughs> no, fuck no. around. No, no, no. Yeah. So what we're gonna talk about this time, right? Is something um, we specialize in California cases, LA crimes, and uh, this one is Robert Durst, which you might be saying to yourself. Wait a second, Robert Durst, that's a New York motherfucker, that's right, but he's getting his ass tried for a murder in Benedict Canyon. Benedict Canyon. Which is in L.A. All right. Um, Adjacent West Hollywood Beverly Hills. Right, that's right, dude. Do you, uh, Steve, do you, do you remember anything about the, what do you recall about the Robert Durst case? I don't, I just remember hearing about um, a guy that might have lived in his back house or a couple people and he got rid of two people and they dug up like years later they came and got the property and they were digging up a swimming pool I think yeah and they found a body it remains there and uh, this guy almost got away with the perfect crime Sean what do you remember about Robert Dick? <laughs> Um, nothing except for I did watch the documentary on uh, HBO. Yeah, the, so H- that, the HBO documentary is called The Jinx. And uh, I just remember like, what the fuck is going on? It wasn't that live at the time? Wasn't that live at the time? No, it wasn't. It wasn't live. I remember that. Well, do it live. No, it wasn't live. Okay. But it was. it was part of the uncovering of... The murder. And what's crazy, what's one of the things that's crazy about the... Okay, so the Robert Durst comes from the Durst Foundation family. They're one of the wealthiest families in New York. They took... They're the ones that are responsible for Times Square, the way you see it now. They're responsible for that. They own like nine buildings or seven buildings in Manhattan. The Durst family. They are also... One of the companies related to Fred Durst. Well, it's funny that you bring that up because uh, Fred Durst um, from Limp Biscuit. Sean, do you what's the Limp Biscuit's top hit? Or can you pull that up? So it's funny that you bring that up because Limp Biscuit, uh, their lead singer's name is Fred Durst, and when Robert Durst popped in the news media, the AP accidentally referred to Robert Durst as Fred Durst. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. And so uh, um, Fred Durst went around wearing a shirt that said, Not Robert. 
No, really. I right, to tell everybody, like, yeah, it's not me, dude. Right, but, right, yeah, right. absolutely. People confused him with uh, with the lead singer of Limp Bizkit. Now, you're okay. listening to a cut. Go ahead. Boy, that's some fucking bad music. Yeah. Horrible. Yeah. Listen, All right, enough with What's that. funny is, is that... Uh, so Robert just got arrested in New Orleans, and the AP article read, a Louisiana state police trooper says millionaire uh, Fred Durst has been booked on weapons mm. charges in that state. Blah, 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 blah. And then AP had to retract that statement and say Robert Durst, but it had already been like a week or two days or three days. Anyway, so anyway, Fred Durst ran out. But why was he arrested in Louisiana. Mm. What what was going on with that dude? Mm. So going back to what I was saying is is that first of all the Durst family is a huge like multi-billion dollar family in New York. They own buildings, Manhattan. Dad's name was Seymour Hearst. Which is I don't know why the name Seymour seems fucking weird to me, but I just mm. think it's a weird fucking name, Seymour. Who the fuck calls it? Anyway, and they are managing and um, maintaining and dealing with whatever. Also, the Freedom Building, where the Twin Towers were destroyed. It's the Durst family that's responsible and, uh, for managing that and directing that. That's how big they are. And Robert Durst, his brother, um, are the inheritors. They're the heirs of the Durst uh, real estate family, mm-hmm. billions or whatever, right? But like Robert Durst was kind of like an oddball, and his brother sort of like took over now uh, of the family and managing all that stuff, and they're fucking rich. And I think like Robert Durst had access, like back in the seventies, like five hundred million bucks and shit like that, completely wealthy. Uh, so Robert Durst marries a woman named Kathleen, Kathleen Durst. Mm -hmm. And around like 1982, Kathleen disappears. Mm -hmm. And the last person to have seen her was Robert Durst. Mm -hmm. And... She didn't show up. She was in med school. She didn't show up for some like medical school thing or something. And somebody called the dean saying that she was Kathleen Durst, saying she wouldn't be able to make it because she feels sick. Hmm. No one's seen her since. She disappeared. <laughs> and they did kind of like a preliminary investigation, like the New York PD and everything. They did like an investigation. Mm. But the Durst family didn't really help them too much. Didn't cough up a lot of information. Mm. And it was weird because they were married and Kathleen was like a daughter-in-law or a sister-in-law and all this stuff. But for whatever reason, the Hearsts and the Hearst Foundation and organization just dummied up. Now, they're big in real estate, construction, right? In New York, Manhattan. And no one's quite sure what happened. 
Although everyone around Kathleen, who were her friends, including her mom, her best friends, 100% certain that Robert Durst had something to do with it, mm -hmm. that he killed her. And some of her diary in her own handwriting leading up to the murder or the disappearance, right, was that, you know, they had been getting into fights and getting physical. He'd slapped her, pushed her, all that kind of stuff, mm. right? And this is kind of like 20 years before OJ, you know, so it's a little bit like they're not, I mean, the cops look into it, but they're like, eh, you know, we don't got much information, da 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 da, da. For whatever reason, it goes cold. And so, Robert Durst becomes friends with someone named Susan Berman, hmm. an aspiring writer, hmm. whose father was actually a connected guy, reportedly a mobster, in Las Vegas. And she became Robert Durst's confidant hmm. and became his friend. And then whatever it was about <clears throat> Robert Durst that bound them together, and they became very close. And one of the things that they shared was that both her parents were dead. I mean, her father was shot and killed in whatever. Like, I think five years after, you know, she was five years old. She idolized her father. Robert Durst had seen his mother. Mm. And I think this is important psychologically to think about. Robert Durst had witnessed his mother jumping off the roof of their building and slamming down on the ground and dying when he was seven. Ooh. Oh, that's heavy. That's got to be heavy. He said his dad took him to... This is his, what he says. His dad, Seymour Hurst, Durst, Seymour took him and said, say hi to mommy through the window at night as he was going to bed and he looked through the window and his mom was in her nightgown outside on the roof or whatever. I guess they were like on a penthouse or whatever. And then he said, she just goes over. And then the maid or the nanny, somebody starts screaming later that she's dead. And so he has this kind of like bizarre appearance this, this bizarre experience like you said it's heavy seven mm. and the thing about it is that it's a woman that disappears in his life and he confronted his dad about it because it's never really clear what happened like mm. did she commit suicide was it an accident right. was there something else to it and his dad never spoke about it Mm. His dad was just obsessed with building the empire. And he confronted his dad, uh, like when he was like 14 or 15. But his dad, he said, you know, you weren't there for me. Like when the mother died and they buried her, he fought because they put her in a box and put her in the ground. And he didn't want them to bury her. And when he tells it, it sounds a little like he doesn't understand, like at the time he didn't understand she was dead. He just thought his mom was in a box being put in the ground. Then later when he confronts his dad, his dad turns his back on him and doesn't speak of it. 
And so I think that sets him in a weird zone. The question you have to ask yourself, though, is like, why doesn't the brother take the same bizarre right. path? Why him, not the brother? So he and Susan Berman share the loss, the connection of the loss. That's right. And around 2000, Berman's getting older. She's like 50 or something like that. No screenplays have hit. She's in Benedict Canyon in a cottage. She doesn't have a lot of money. She knows all these people. She's connected. And over in New York, they decide to pick up the case again about Durst's wife. Mm. What happened to Durst's wife? So they pick up the cold case. One of the people they want to talk to is Susan Berman. Because they know she has been close to Robert Durst for like 15 years, 20 years. In fact, she was his PR helper in getting certain things into the news before the authorities had time to pull out some details. There was already, they don't know who gave them, details in newspapers. New York newspapers, where the Durst family probably has a lot of influence, has certain information about the disappearance of Kathleen Durst that sets all, everyone's perceptions in a certain direction that point away from Robert Durst, mm. right? The doorman saw her come to her New York apartment that night, so she wasn't with Robert. Mm. Somebody called up the dean and said, and was a woman and said she couldn't make because she felt sick. That was Kath Kathleen, the wife. Mm -hmm. Those details made it into the newspapers. Berman, Susan Berman, was there with Robert Durst helping him deal with the publicity. Mm -hmm. So now, some 20, 18 years later, the NYPD wants to talk to Susan. Now, nobody knows exactly what happened, but they just know that Susan, want, they wanted to talk to Susan about Robert Durst and that Susan, some people speculate that she might have been hard up for cash at that time. And she may not have come right out and said, listen, I'm going to talk to the authorities unless you give me some money. But she might have let it slip that the authorities wanted to talk to her and she was in financial difficulty. And Durst is no idiot. Whatever happened in 2000, she was found dead New Year's night with a bullet in the back of her head. Hmm. And when Robert Durst had heard that the authorities were starting to look into the murder again, he decided to stop being Robert Durst. And he fled to Galveston, Texas. Hmm. And when he fled to Galveston, Texas, he donned the disguise. He bought a wig. Mm -hmm. Wow. And pretended to be a woman. No. Yeah. I didn't hear any of this, bro. I do not know this story then. He pretended to be a woman. And... He 
lived in a fourplex. And his name was Dorothy Siner. As the woman, and he pretended to be a mute woman. Mr. and Mrs. Earbuds, Steve's face is just, his eyes just crossed in fucking shock. He's really trying to get away, huh? He went overboard. I'm a mute woman. A mute old lady with a wig. It's so weird. Why would he stay in the U.S.? Why wouldn't he just skip, skip the country? That's a good question. And I think one of the things as in we, those eighteen years that he was, why would he have left? In those, in like, those, in those, I think in this story, one of the things you really want to like think about is the psychological aspect of what Durst was going. What Durst is after. Because you're right. It's a real question. If you really wanted to get away, uh-huh. why, didn't, why wouldn't you just restart in Brazil? Right. Or Costa Rica. Somewhere they can't extradite no matter what. Right. Right. And Galveston, for a lot of people, it's kind of like the end of the world in some ways. Because it's yeah. you know, when you think of Texas, you don't think of the coast. But it's kind of like in the middle of nowhere outside of Houston on the coast. Mm-hmm. And they, I read, saw somewhere where they were saying that it's like the fourplex where he was living in, it was a shitty fourplex, right? So think about this. Billionaire, shitty fourplex, mute, woman, wig, right? This dude must really want to get away with something. He doesn't want to answer any questions. Yeah. So, so he's down there. Now this is the th- now that's already weird, right? Right. You're already kind of, first of all you're like you know, you know Why do you gotta kill your wife? But they like, fuck it. Like why you gotta kill your you girlfriend? Know, right. right. Go on. So he's living down there in Galveston, and eventually a guy named Morris Black uh, is like one of the neighbors in this fourplex. And this guy's like a 71-year-old weird fucker, too. He's weird. Morris Black is weird. And uh, he... Uh, he got, he's a weird-looking dude. Yeah, he's got a sour face. Right? He's got like kind of like a head shaped like a light bulb with a bunch of wrinkles. Right, he just doesn't look like a happy camper. Doesn't look like someone you want to hang out with. That, guy. that is Morris Black. <coughs> okay, so check out Morris Black. <coughs> this is the neighbor. And then somehow, and I don't know how, but, and by the way, the landlord, everybody, every once in a while would see a guy come and visit this mute old lady right. who was always traveling. <laughs> and anyway... Morris Black told this mute old woman not to leave the lights on in the hall because it comes out of his fucking electric bill. And somehow, based on that, this guy, Morris Black, and Robert Durst, this guy, Mm. become friends. And Robert Durst takes the wig off. Right? I thought, when I was kind of researching this, I thought maybe Morris Black tried to date, you know, the mute woman. Yeah, and then found out there was... Right. right. Found a pecker down in the Decker. Mm -hmm. Right, but no... They become friends, though, 
And so they hang out or whatever, okay? But when you fucking know it. What happened? <laughs> Look Robert, how old Robert Durst is now. Robert Durst killed Morris Black. Oh, he got rid of that dude too? Well, the way that he breaks out is like this. There was a 10-year-old fishing, Galveston Bay. He was out there throwing, fucking casting the shit around, you know what I mean? Fucking laughing and fucking living it up. La Vida Loca. Casts his fucking fishing around. He sees the weirdest fucking fish he's ever seen floating by. Mm. Turns out, it's a human torso. Mm. Pa, that's the craziest mud skipper I ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) With a fucking lung hanging out of it. (laughs) So they call it. A lung externally hanging out. (laughs) Fuck. Hey, that's a swim bladder. Oh, son, that's a lung. Cops go. Right. Cops go. (laughs) Cops go down. What do they find? They find a bunch of black trash bags with body parts in it. There's a torso that got out of, and I don't know how it works. I would really love to watch a documentary on how, like, there was a torso that was in a giant suitcase that was thrown into the bay. Somehow that pops out. (laughs) And the bags were tied, so there was a little bit of air. Right. So they didn't sink. So they all collected down shore, and the cops went and looked at it, and they could feel like a leg, a foot, an arm, right? Only thing they didn't find was the head. And about eight days later, because along with these body parts in the limbs, uh, in the bags, right? Along with that was also some trash. And the trash had the address of the fourplex. So they were able to figure out where everything came from. They rolled the prints on that fucking decapitated hand, came back to this sour fuck, Morris Black. Mm. He's dead, and turns out he was the resident in a fourplex. Turns out, person that lived next door was a mute old lady with a wig who was seldom seen. When they started investigating, the landlord goes, yeah, and then like... She was a mute, and name was Dorothy Siner, and she, but she also had like a some guy that would come and visit her every once in a while. Now the fucking detective is like, <laughs> obviously this is a guy on the lam, right? It's the weirdest story I ever heard. Right. I've been through God's creation for fifty years. I never met a mute old lady. Right. I've never met a mute. Have you ever met a mute, Sean? Never met a mute. Me either. Right. Special K. Besides you? No. Okay. The thing is, is, so they go like, so they go, all right. They look through the trash, and what else do they find? They find an appointment to pick up some prescription glasses. Oh. But the guy that's supposed to pick up the glasses is named Robert Durst. Oh, shit. So now they know. And you got to remember, this is Galveston, Texas. So they don't know anything about no fucking city slick and murder shit. They don't know who Robert Durst is. Couldn't, wouldn't give two pisses for him, right? Mm-hmm. But 
They show up. He picks up his glasses at the appointment. Cops follow him, pull him over on a fucking road charge, search his thing. They look in the back. What do they see in the back of the truck? Mm. A bow saw. Not good. A used bosa? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, used bosa that uh, Robert Durst bought at Chalmers Hardware Store, which was about two blocks from the fourplex. Chalmers. First of all, I don't even know what the fuck kind of name Chalmers is. Hmm. So they arrest him. Okay. Uh, and he's able to, he gets arrested. He keeps his mouth shut. They bring him in. He's arrested, and they go. They set the bail at two hundred fifty thousand. And it takes Robert Durst all of about twenty four hours to get two hundred fifty thousand to pay for his bail. Mm-hmm. And he's fucking out the very next day. Okay, now think about that. Think about that. Think about. Like if you were, hmm. you wouldn't even get bail. He'd be flight risk. All this other shit. Right. I mean, Steve, you've had some run-ins with the law, right? Like on a, on a thing where it's like, you know, maybe somebody was accused of, you know, robbing a place, and there was people there, and they put him in a certain location to keep him out of harm's trouble. But you know, from a legal perspective, that would look like you know, technically kidnapping and all this other bullshit, right? Like, would with with enhanced, you know, there's a weapon involved and huh? and there's dismemberment. Imagine there would be also on top of all that some kind of dismemberment in L.A. County for a regular guy, right? Like, what's he going to get? Like, is he going to be able to be fucking get bail on some shit oh, like that? They're going to make it a million-dollar bail or something crazy. Right. Or he's got to get no bail. Right. They're not going to run the risk. Of, they got enough stuff where they're like, nah, this isn't good. We can't have this guy out. What if? What, let me ask you this. What if they bring you in on all those charges, right, but you've got $100 million in the bank and your passport? Are they going to let you fucking? No fucking <laughs> way, bro. <laughs> they're like, this dude's going to go. Yeah, but in Galveston, they're like, what? I, well, let's make it a, a high a high bail. Well, I don't know if he's a flat risk or not, but let's just make it impossible. What do you think? What do you think would be a, a number that would stop a guy from fucking jumping bail? You mean like sky's the limit? Yeah, sky's the limit. Okay, two hundred and fifty thousand. That was that was as much as they could think. Boy, he snapped his fingers, had that was out the next day, but he promised to show up at court. Well. Day of their arraignment, guess who didn't show up? Guess who didn't show up? <laughs> right? Right, of course. Let me ask you a question. Now, you know some guys that have dealt with the law. If you made bail and then you didn't show up at the arraignment after a dismemberment, like how much of a how much effort would they put into finding your ass? They're going to contact the um not the sheriffs. Marshals? The marshals. Man. And they're going to serve a warrant immediately for them to go get me. Right. 
immediately. It's going to be issued at the court. The judge is going to issue it, and they're going to go out and get me. At my la- they're going to go to my location. Go straight to jail. Don't pass go. No Not when we catch up with you or when we catch you on a ticket or that. No. They're going to get right there. They're going to get the warrant, and they're going to go, and they're going to execute it. So this guy mm-hmm. is on the lam for seven fucking months. Mm. Okay? Seven months. They can't catch up to him. This guy, this little mousy fuck. Old guy. And the only reason why they catch up to him is because he walks into a grocery store to, and he steals a hoagie sandwich. What? He shoplifts a hoagie sandwich on camera. Seven months later, in Pennsylvania. You just, I mean, dude. There was a guy who stole a piece of pizza and got life. Yep. 25 yep. to life. Yep. Stealing yep. a piece of pizza. This guy dismembered a body, jumped bail, fled for seven months, stole a hoagie sandwich. Right. All right. So now they got him. And by the way, it was two security guards that asked him to step aside so they could search his fucking whatever. Right? Now let's say you got that kind of heat coming down on you and two... Fucking mall cops say, hey, we got to talk to you. What are the chances that you just don't fucking run? Oh, yeah. Right? Are you going to listen to them go to their back room and then never come back out again? No. Nope. That's like going to some West Tech security office and wait to get hemmed up by the police. Right. I ain't going nowhere with some security guards. Right. Shoot me. Right. Yeah. Right. But what does Durst do? He goes with them and gets arrested and they figure out who he is and he's extradited back to Galveston, Texas Mm. to face murder murder charges. Now, all right. Been a lot of weird moves, a lot of stupid moves, but now you figure, story's over. I mean, slam dunk. Dead to rights. To fucking... And he doesn't even deny that he dismembered the body. He doesn't deny it. Because he can't. Why? Because some of the receipts are in his name at Chalmers for both saws and shit. So now it's time for Texas justice. So fucking Durst hires this guy named DeGarren. And another guy, I think his last name was Ramsey. And these are two fucking criminal, the best criminal defense attorneys that I think Texas might have had. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Sean. Obviously, he's paying top dollar for some, some good. 600000 apiece. Mm. How does he have access to his wealth? I mean, don't they, if you're on the run, don't they like freeze your accounts? Not back then. I don't know that they Mm. did. And he had, you got to remember, he comes from trust funds and all this other shit. So a lot of stuff might be in shell corporate names that he has Ah. access to. So he's hiding shit. I don't know. Yeah, it's just layered. It's just not exactly the name in his name. Ah. So what is he spending money on? Criminal defense attorneys. He gets how much is he getting? Six hundred apiece. One point two million. He, I think, all in all, he paid for one point five million for his defense in Galveston, Texas. And he admits that's like when you have enough money to hire whoever the fuck you want. He did. So he's there now. The prosecutors are like, I mean, I mean, I mean, what's the case? Guy admits to dismembering him. 
The guy admits that it was his gun that killed him. And it was. Rob, I mean, the gun was registered to Robert Durst. That killed old Morris Black. The fuck's the case? It's a fucking slam dunk. No problem. But Durst's and his defense team. And, let, let, and, and make no mistake, these are real Texas lawyers. We're talking about like Matlock. We're not talking Johnny Cochran. Okay. Right? So these are slick. These are those old kind of like, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, let me just tell you something. He's a red-blooded American like any of us. Mm. Right? Those type of attorneys, but real smart. So what's the defense? What, what, what do you guess is the defense? What could you, could you throw up on something like that? Um, that... That this guy was scared for his life. So the guy was threatening him right. to kill him or something. <laughs> and let me ask you a question. You've been out there. You've seen some dudes, you know, have to put up some defenses. Right. How, I, when you kill somebody and then you say, wow, well, he threatened me. Yeah. It was a, self-defense. But the bullets went into the back of his head. So, right. Like, yeah. so how, how good, how much, how well does that defense work for most people? I mean, maybe there's probably about maybe two, three percent that actually it works for, you know, but usually it doesn't work out. And well, let me ask you this. What if those guys also admitted that, yeah, I cut up the guy's body. Up. Dude, come on. Bro. Put him in trash bags, threw him in the water. How is it that they're even trying the guy after he's admitted to all this? Well, I mean. Why is that, Tuman? Because. Because. He wasn't charged for any crime for anything that happened after. Like, they didn't say abusing a corpse. They could have. They could have charged him for abusing a corpse, and there would still be a trial, but he admitted it. And he could say, like, well, I was scared, blah, 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 blah. But then they would say, well, you said this, and da, da, da. And he said, yeah. So abusing a corpse. But they didn't bring abusing a corpse. They just brought a murder charge. And he said accidental and self-defense. And what he said happened was, yes, I was dressed like a woman. Yes, I was wearing a wig. Yes, I was calling myself Dorothy Siner. And yes, I was pretending to be mute. <coughs> Why? Because I was tired of being Robert Durst. Why? Because these New York tabloids were hounding me about the disappearance of my wife. I was tired of it. And it was starting to become a story again. And I just wanted to disappear. So I came to Galveston, beautiful city of Galveston. I love it here. I love Galveston. I love Texas. Okay. Well, then why did you kill this guy? He was in my apartment, in my duplex. He was in my room, and he had a face, and he looked upset. And I ran to the hiding spot in the oven where I kept my gun. And it wasn't there. And I turned around, and Morris Black had the gun. <clears throat> Wanted me to give him some pussy. Wanted me to give <laughs> <laughs> I, Which I didn't have because I'm not really a woman. And I, he knew I was Robert Durst. I told and him I that. showed him the brown eye and he even got madder at me. <laughs> and so he fucking wanted me to give him some money. Some some head. Head. <laughs> some money or some head. <laughs> <laughs> I either want some bread or some head. <laughs> That's what he told him. So he goes, he goes. Uh, so I blew the guy. And he just still wasn't happy. 
<laughs> so he fucking uh, he had the gun on me. He was gonna kill me. Please take my clothes off. <laughs> <laughs> he wanted to see my padded bra. Right. So then I grabbed the gun, and we wrestle with the gun. <laughs> Steve's face. God, look at his face. Wrestle with the gun, and it turned like this. Yeah, and it shot him. And I fell to the ground, and when I hit, my elbow hit, another shot went off. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> when I got up, I was dazed from the noise. And I looked down, and there was a pool of blood around oh. Morris Black's head. And I was scared. And I was scared. I put my head in my hands, and I sat on my bed with my hands, my head in my hands. And I was thinking, like, I gotta get, what am I going to do? No one would believe me because I was Robert Durst. They already accused me of having something to do with the disappearance. I'm not even over that. Still breaks my heart thinking about it. Right, right, right. When this accidental gun went off. Now, now, now what am I going to do? What am I going to do? So I went to the seawall in Galveston. Hmm. There's a wall along the sea. Hmm. And I walked along there and smoked weed and drank a lot of Jack Daniels because I love whiskey. Jack hmm. Daniels. Like any good old boy. And I decided... In the moment of, I wasn't thinking clearly, I admit that. I was on drugs and alcohol. I was on drugs and alcohol. And I decided that I had to get rid of the bodies when I thought, I'll just roll it up in the fucking carpet. More like a sleeping bag. Carry it out in the night. But his body was too big. And I wasn't going to be able to do it. And that's when I realized I was going to have to cut the body up. So I went to Chalmers. I did. And I bought a bow saw. I did. Yes. And dude, in his testimony, right, he was coached perfectly because the prosecution was like, did you go to Chalmers? Yes, sir. Did you buy a bow saw? Yes, sir. Look at Steve's face. <laughs> yes, sir. I did that, sir. Yes, sir. That was me, sir. Yes, yes I sir. The fucking, I hate that fucking, I hate that shit, dude. And there was a point when he was telling the story about buying a wig and a purse at Walmart that the oh. jury laughed. No. And, and, and let's give credit to where credit's due. Mm-hmm. Durst took the stand. Mm-hmm. And you know, normally in like 99.99999% of the cases, you, the defendant's never supposed to take the stand. And that's attorney malpractice to let your client take the stand in a, in a, in a murder case. Mm-hmm. So they took the big gamble. He went up there and he told the story. And the jury laughed when he was saying, yeah, and I bought a wig and a purse. And the jury was like, man, dressing like a woman. (laughs) Not crazy. So he tells them the whole thing. Yeah, doing bad, blah, blah, blah. But the only person that could not corroborate that it was some kind of struggle that led to the shot, and it was accidental. Was Morris a Black forensic? Okay, right. And the forensic. Mm-hmm. Only problem is, the shot went in the head, and just like you said, bro, mm-hmm. if the shot was in the back of the head, and Two. that's and that story was going to be hard to figure. That's a hard. Well, we wrestled around, and the gun went around his back of his head and went off. I don't know how these things mm-hmm. work. I was scary. I don't remember a lot about it. You can get off like that. Right. Which he did. The jury came back and found him not guilty of murder. 
$1.2 million. They found him not guilty of fucking murder. I wonder if I can get to... I, wanna sh I want to hear Steve's reaction to the fucking... Unbelievable. Let's see if I can get to this. Let's see if I can do this. Were they able to bring up the disappearance of the wife? They might not have been able to because that might not have been relevant. Hmm. How is that relevant to whether or not he it's killed... It's not really, but... I mean, in the face of that, wouldn't you... Let's see. Uh, so that's, you could see the linoleum. They said that they saw like, look, Morris was shot in the face with my gun. Let's see if I can give you a little taste of. What's a bunch of garbage bags and stuff like that's that. That's him talking, that's Robert Durst. Went back to, to, to the house and um, I'm sure I got more stoned and more drunk and I dismembered the corpse, primarily with the ax, but some with the bow saw and I think another saw. This motherfucker's out, bro. Yeah. It's unbelievable, bro. How in the fuck do you fucking, are you not? God damn, dog. These motherfuckers, these motherfuckers are no good, bro. Dude, I mean, think Shit about is this. broken, bro. Let me ask you a different question. Let's say you go to a stereo shop on off hours, and let's say your idea is, <laughs> I'm gonna, I got an inside line on a bunch of fucking, you know, $100,000, $200,000 worth of equipment. Mm. I'm gonna steal it. Uh, I got a couple people with me. Um, there's like one or two people there. I'm going to zip time, move them to the side so they don't get in trouble. And I'm going to uh, steal the stuff and no one's going to get hurt. It's not even about that, right? I go there, stereo shop, steal stereo equipment. It's not health equipment. Nobody's lives depend on the health equipment, right? And then somebody across the street, let's say, Calls 911 says something's not right, right? And then I'm like, fuck it, I better get out of here. You, nobody got hurt. Mm -mm. Right. You run, right? Didn't, no, nobody's cut up to pieces. Nobody's Nothing. shot, nobody's right? Hurt. Nah. Did the car, I mean, how do you square the fact that this guy cut up a bunch, a guy, and the person who had an idea about a stereo shop, nobody got hurt? That guy, there's a manhunt. SWAT team. Right. Choppers, 21 officers surrounding the home. Right. And that guy is over there getting, uh, looks like he's getting Botox, you know? How do you square that, bro? His hair fucking uh, bleached, huh? Right. Like how do Highlights you in his hair and Botox. On a, dumb, on a dumb defense. Right. And they never found the head. This is, so, what, this is part of what the fucking problem is with this fucking country, man. Anybody else would have been through. No right. bail, not out, none of that. You're done. Right. This motherfucker, because he's a millionaire, is buying his way out of every fucking mess. What kind of suitcase? All these giant Walmart suitcases. That's what he put the torso in. Just tossing shit in the water. Body part. We worked for days, many days, getting him ready for the kind of questions I knew were going to be coming on cross-examination. Tell us about what it was like, sir. Where did you start to cut uh, on Morris Black? Did you cut his arm off first, or did you cut his leg off first? What did you use to cut the leg with? Show us what part of his leg did you saw on first, Mr. Durst, your friend, that you were cutting up? There was a concern on our part that... Um, that's the prosecutor. No, no, the this way is the defense. He sometimes describes things um, 
without a lot of emotion. Hearing him describe the technical dissection of that body would lead someone to believe he's a cold-blooded killer. That's his defense team. They're prepping him. They know what the prosecution's going to ask you. Tell us where you cut him up, sir. How are you going to explain it? And they're like, he had a, an ability to explain how he did it in a cold clinical way, which might not sit well with the jury. And what these attorneys told him was like, look, if you don't, you know, a lot of psychologists in situations like this, the last psychologists say you can't remember all the details because it was tragic and it was shocking. So don't try to remember if you don't. Not asking him to lie, but telling him that's how the lawyers do it. Don't try to remember if you don't. Right? And when the prosecution does, they ask him those exact questions. He says, I may have. I don't remember. It was, I mean, obviously, I mean, you know, you have all that. I don't. Wait, hold on. I want to get to the body parts. Hold on. I want to show you. I want to show you the part where the verdict comes in. That's one of the jurors right there. And she's explaining how they arrived at the decision that they arrived at. All right. I think, I think this is worth. All right. All right. Here, here. You can't consider everything that happened. That's the prosecutor. During and before. It all goes to the man's state of mind. It all goes to his intent. Bob Durst is not guilty of murder. Bob Durst is not guilty of murder. Whatever else he may have done is for another time and place. So the message was this. Yeah, he did cut him up. Yeah, he did evade arrest. Yeah, it was all wrong. But he didn't murder him. And he wasn't charged with any of that other shit. So if you want to think about it and, and try to do whatever, it's not right. If you probably think he probably killed him under reasonable doubt standards, that's still not guilty. Probably is not beyond a reasonable doubt. So he's still not guilty. And the other thing that you kind of can't take away from this is the amount of, like, so you spend $1.2 million uh-huh. on the defense. Yeah. It's still not guaranteed. Of course. It doesn't look good uh-huh. to anybody. So you're rolling the fucking dice. You didn't take a plea deal. You're rolling the dice on the big one. How many people got that kind of fucking... Guts. Spend $1.2 million and lose, possibly. Spend the rest of your life in Galveston jail. So you caught on some level, there's a part of me that sort of is like, look, I don't like the guy, but I got to respect the fact that he gambled and he didn't have a, a secure deal. Is it a gamble when you have money to burn? Yeah. Yeah, it is. The gamble's for your life. Gambles for your life, 
Yeah, but it, and and the gamble's also that it's not guaranteed. Yeah, you got money to burn, but it's not guaranteed. But you're not gambling the money. Yeah, you're gambling your life. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, and think about it. What if they would have came back to him and said, "Look, you can do five. All right. Do five. Yeah. Two and a half. We don't want to go through this whole fucking thing either." But he was like, "Fuck it. Just do it live." But when you watch, 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 just watch the the. When the jury comes back, I think the jury took like six weeks to render victims. Oh, about, that's not good. Think about waiting six weeks to find out. Now to a courthouse in Galveston, Texas, where jurors still have not reached a verdict in the bizarre murder trial of real estate heir Robert Durst. The trial itself lasted six weeks. Some people here are beginning to worry that the jury might take that long to decide whether Robert Durst is guilty of murder. Is that the seawall? That's the seawall. Wow. Where he was smoking weed and thinking about cutting up his buddy's body and putting him in trash bags. Like everybody in the courtroom standing up. It is fat ass with his khakis. Fucking cop. Fucking cop. Rat Mr. Cop. Foreman, I understand you have a verdict. <sighs> Will you hand it to the bailiff? Look at her. Yeah. Yeah. A real fucking She's rugged, huh? Yeah. Uh, they're speaking about the judge who's a woman, yet her face is as wide as her neck. Right. She looks like a toe with lipstick on it. Will the defendant please rise? You think she pleasured herself before that, <laughs> the night before? She don't look like she's ever had any pleasure. That's why I was asking. Like, <laughs> I was thinking maybe she was using Okay. Using a hanger? <laughs> look at Durst in the mirror. Durst, All right, dude. just take a look at this picture. This All right, take a look at this. This is one of the Matlocks. Mm -hmm. This is the other Matlock. Looks like he's in the hair club for men getting some plugs. I, I don't know. Guy. Who's I, the other guy sitting in front? I don't know who that fuck that guy is. That motherfucker's somebody. Right. Because he didn't even stand up. No. Okay. And then there's Tiny Durst getting ready to face fucking... He's got to figure out what's it going to be. And look, watch his face, man. He's already breathing hard. Yeah. I mean, I ain't judging him for that. I, I would be fucking... I'd be breathing hard, too. Shooketh. He's grabbing the desk for support. He's trying to figure out how to... Look at this guy finally... Just, that guy that was sitting yeah. decides, fuck it, I guess I'm supposed oh, to good. stand. For the verdict of the jury is such. With the jury, find the defendant, Robert Durst, not guilty. Look at that face of relief. Look at him breathing, bro. Is there anything the attorneys would like to say at this point? I mean, he's trying. He, his soul left his body for a minute there. He's looking at the juries like, who the fuck kind of people are they? Who would give me a full acquittal? Right. He can't believe it. He can't believe it. Look he at that can't face. Believe it. That's the exact face you make when you can't when you just dodged a bullet, bro. That's right. what you look like. Right. Right. That fucking rocket propelled grenade, you smelled the cinders right, going dude, by. That's that. how you it, look. You're that, just like, fuck. Look at that face. Look at that, dude. Look at that. He can't fucking believe it. No way. It. He's shocked. He's fucking shocked, dude. His soul just came back to his body. Did they say not? His attorney yeah. had to tell him yes. Yeah. But, hold on a second. 
Because when you're like, I remember that when so when Jessica had Vincent, yeah, I remember all the only thing I was paying attention to was when he came out, yeah. genitals. Because we didn't know, we, had, we didn't oh, want to know if we had a boy right, or a girl. Right, we right. And I remember like, <clears throat> the, I've already held the baby, cut the umbilical cord, so Jessica's already got the baby. It's already been like a minute and a half into the birth, right? And I asked Jessica, "Is it a boy or a girl?" Like I completely missed it, right? Because, you get what I'm saying? Like, I do. It's the same way that he didn't hear them say not guilty. Right. You're in it. You're like just so. You're not even hearing. So you're like, wait a minute. Did they just? That's how he was. But what's crazy is, shock. is initially he heard it <clears throat> because you saw him sure. in disbelief. But then his conscious mind finally snapped to him and was like, wait a minute. What wait did a minute. they you say? You better ask somebody and make sure that you heard the right thing. And his attorney's like, yeah, motherfucker. They said, yeah. Yeah, nigga. Now sign <laughs> exactly. over the rest of that fucking yeah. 600 grand. <laughs> Look at him, dude. Yeah, man. He can't believe He's it. got like a rush of coke. <laughs> He's like, I killed that motherfucker. Now look, that's one of the jurors, that guy right there. <laughs> Another fucking crossdresser. I know, dude. No, but no woman looks like a woman, and no guy looks like a guy in this whole entire story. We kept going back. What the jurors? Going back to what? This All right. bitch. All right. To the charge that was put forth to the jury. As to the actual event, that one moment in time, it was a very unpopular uh, occurrence when the when Bob Durst was found not guilty. Um, the townspeople, friends, relatives, they weren't happy with the uh, verdict that was brought forward. But when Mr. Durst was on the uh, stand, I felt he was talking from the heart. He was talking from the heart. What the fuck do you make of that? How, I mean, dude, how many times do you think a juror or a judge would listen to your testimony, Big Lux, and say, you know what? I know he did what he did, but he's talking from the heart. They gave him a pass. <coughs> gave him a pass. It's fucked up. The defense attorney later who was talking about it, he said, you got to understand something about Texas. They said, he said something to the effect of, we only hang horse thieves, not murderers. Because no horses in Texas need stealing, but some people need to die. Mm. Mm. What do you think of that, Sean? What do you think about a culture where they go, don't steal my car. No car needs stealing, but there are some folks that do need to die. So if you get up on a murder charge, you might have actually a chance is to be. Is Texas an open carry law, open carry state? Yeah, and one of the things that I think is worth noticing, noting is that, you know, the guy was in Durst's part of the house, the fourplex. So think about, it's just Texas. So if somebody's in your residence... You have permission. You can, you can do whatever the fuck you want. Even though, clearly, he killed the guy, and they never found the head, so they don't know if they shot from the back of the head. And probably what's more likely that happened is kind of the same thing with Berman, was once the guy knew he was Robert Durst and went to, I guess he went to the library and did research all the time, once you figured out who the fuck this guy was and knew he had a lot of money, I bet you he was kind of like, hey, Mr. Durst, 
you know, I'm I'm in a little bit of trouble. Need a couple of grand. And, you know, I'm going to keep it secret because I'm a loyal guy, but it sure would help me to keep the secret if you would give me some money. Mm-hmm. And maybe Darius was like, I'll fucking just shoot you. Mm-hmm. Something like that. We nobody knows. So while he's a re- while so while he's going through all that, I might think the dude's gonna tell. So why is he on trial now for Susan Berman's murder? Because the prosecutor in the Berman case, John Lewin, came down and interviewed Robert Durst while he was being held over for the Texas thing. Mm-hmm. Three hours he talked to. Now, let me ask you a question, Steve. Let's say somebody you know committed a crime in California. Let's say somebody you know, that same guy is being held up in another state and they're in jail. Mm. And the prosecutor of the crime in California says, hey, would it be all right if I came down and talked to you? Do you want to talk to me? What are the chances that guy is going to talk to him about anything? They're not. Right, but not Robert Durst. Robert Durst is like, come on down. Yeah. Talk. And he talked to the prosecutor for three hours. He's got a whole different way of going about shit. His way is coming right to you and spilling the beans. Yeah. He didn't really run from this. He just that... admitted to it and admits it. Oh, yeah, one time and just. Right. It's crazy. That's an interesting thought. That's an interesting thought. That is an interesting thought. Do you does any of this coming back to you, Sean? Now that we're talking about it, because you 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 said you saw the series as well. Yeah, but I don't really remember a whole lot about it. This is a long time ago. It's yeah, interesting see. because when you get into the details of it, you realize, man, this is a real weird fucking case. He's a weird dude. He's a weird Kevin, dude. I mean, who wouldn't run? He's seventy-seven. I now. don't get that. How old are you, Kevin? Twenty-three. So if at twenty-eight you're making. Uh, $150,000, $200,000 a year, would that be good? Would that be a good thing for you? Yeah. Right. So you're doing this now. It doesn't seem fun. But in four or five years from now, when we're all making big money, <laughs> you'll be making money too. Bro. Right. Just got to stay in the cut. That's all. Right. All right, let's go. How is that related to Robert Durst? <laughs> it isn't. I was uh, just thinking that. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, he's probably bored, wants to go. But oh. the big picture is we're all going to be all right. Listen, I, this is what you know. What this is the point in the in the show where um, I'm gonna say, I don't know if Ra, uh, if if Special K or any, any of us understand the service of this show because these are cultural, social, cultural points mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. we're gonna be able to draw on in conversations later. Yeah, and I, I'm telling you, bro, when people are like, Do you, "Have you ever heard of Robert Durst?" and you say yes, that changes your status. When you know pop culture or even deeper cultural relevant things and you can talk about these things at a certain level it establishes networks mm-hmm. that you wouldn't have been able to establish if you didn't know anything about it right so they go down now on top of talking to the prosecutor robert durst then goes on to do a documentary where he lets the fucking director do a whole film with him what this fucking guy on HBO. I mean, it's great for us, but so when you were asking if it was live, it was kind of live. Yeah, in the a sense, HBO. But he was still going through the shit, right? During the fucking documentary, it is the documentary that catches him. 
in L.A. <laughs> it's the documentary that catches him wow. in L.A. And he the, told on himself. Yes. And in, and what one of the things that there's two things that catch him. One is, is that somebody wrote an anonymous letter to the LAPD saying that Susan Berman is dead in her room, in her house over in Benedict Canyon. And then the director had that letter and had some other letters previously, like a couple years ago, before all this, written by Robert Durst. Mm. And the handwriting, just to the naked eye, looks almost the same. And he presents that to Robert Durst, who's willingly mic'd up on camera against the wishes of his attorneys. Mm. His attorneys told him, shut the fuck up. Yeah. What do you need this for? Go down to fucking Florida, hang out with Robert Kraft, and get some hand jobs yeah, at some fucking 7 yeah. Right. What the fuck are you, you doing? doing, idiot? Right. But he does it anyway. Yeah. And when he sees it, it's almost irrefutable proof to himself. Like, he sees it. And it's clear. No one's admitting anything. And what's weird is if you watch The Jinx, that's what it's called, The Jinx, HBO documentary. If you watch in one of the fucking things, when the director asks him, did your attorneys ever ask you to lie in the Texas case? He's like, no, you know. People don't always tell the truth because they don't know the whole truth or they make a mistake. And so then they take a break and Robert Durst is talking to himself and he's repeating, I told the whole truth, nothing but the truth. Sometimes people make mistakes. I didn't know. No, no. He says that three times to himself. Not exactly sure what, why or how. His attorney who's there on the scene says, hey. Everything you're saying is being recorded right now. Mm. So, cool it. And Robert just goes, oh, okay, I understand. So, he already knows that these wireless mics that they've hooked on him while they're doing interviews could and have picked him up talking to himself when he doesn't think no anything's recorded. Right. After that, and after the letter... He goes into the restroom, and while the mic is still on, <laughs> says, what did I do? I killed them all, of course, and that was recorded. <laughs> wow. Wow. And that's how they got him. <sighs> By the way, he's still doing his trial. The, the trial got postponed. COVID, sure. surgeries. He's 77. The trial doesn't restart until April of this year. That's the only reason why I'm bringing it up. I was looking at fucking California crimes and I came across the fact that this thing is starting this April. Back up. When did he commit these? When, when was the the Berman when was the first crime? First crime is like 82. Of his wife. Berman is like 2000. Right. And then Morris Black's like 2001. So he had a good, and I don't think that the, the series didn't come out. This documentary didn't start until 2000. for 40 years after one, 20 years after another. 
Like, this guy's been a f- free man. And what, he was locked up for 24 hours and bailed out? I think now they know he's a flight risk in right. California, so they ain't letting him out. Because everything that I've seen him in, he's in fucking oranges and right. shit. All right. But I'm just saying, I'm just saying that, you know, 2015 is when the documentary is released and the shit hits the fan. Okay, so back up a second. The detective from California yeah. flies out to talk to him. Prosecutor. Prosecutor. John Lewin. Talks for three hours with him. Yeah. Doesn't get enough to prosecute a case? Uh, not at that time, no. No. It had to wait. He had to wait and watch the documentary or get the doc. The documentary had to happen, and then that's what got him in trouble. So then, obviously, this prosecutor's like, oh, hell yeah. Not, now, only, not only that. Well, not only that. Not only that. But the prosecutor, I think, last year fought hard and won to get the shit that happened in the Texas case to be allowed and admitted into the California case. Like, and I thought that was illegal. I thought one crime, you can't talk about your crime in the courtroom. So maybe the murder, I don't know the details exactly because I don't have time to read it all, but it very well may go to some sort of mental state, like his intent to evade and escape, Mm. his intent to cover something up. And since he wasn't convicted for chopping the body up, that doesn't count as a crime. But people should be able to consider that as part of the circumstances as to uh, what kind of mindset he has. Is he capable of cold-blooded murder? But Let's back up a minute. Go ahead. You guys, think... Let's just back up a second, you guys. Go ahead. You're talking about somebody taking the law into their own hands. Killing, dismembering, and dumping the body. Like, hold on. Back it all the ways up. Go ahead. Just the fact that you were involved in a crime like that and didn't go to the police in itself is a crime, isn't it? Yeah, but if you weren't charged with it, They didn't charge him. So it might be a crime, but they didn't charge him. For not reporting a crime. Whether you were fucking the one. Like, not not even not reporting. This guy buried evidence and destroyed evidence to fucking, like, I don't understand. Like, okay, they don't get you on the murder, but you did all this other shit. You hacked up a body and then dispose of the body. Anybody who does that's going to prison for the rest of their life. That's what I thought. Chuman, it's just insane. How do you? First not- of all, it's Texas, so we don't. <sighs> I don't know what the rules are in Texas. They're different, yeah, obviously. And I don't know if it's not cons- it, okay. All right, let's back it up. If the crime is murder, but. The jury said, no, there was no crime. You're acquitted. Then what did you have to report? There's no crime. What he didn't report was self-defense. And it's Texas, and the guy was in his house. And the prosecution didn't put anything about it. I don't know if they have an abusing the corpse I mean, most states do. Like, even if you didn't kill somebody, let's say you just found a dead body on the side of the road, and you were like, ha, ha, ha. But he did admit to shooting him. 
But in self-defense, an right, accident. In self-defense. Yeah. It wasn't a crime. And the jury acquitted him. Such bullshit, man. Let me do some shit like that, dude. <laughs> right. I don't even have to dispose of the body or do any of that shit. I'm done. Dude, you don't even have to. Nobody even has to get hurt. No. Exactly. But if I've got fucking $1.2 million, I may not have to deal with um, my, 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 you know, I mean, I have to fucking deal with the consequences of my crimes. Well, I mean, I mean, OJ, to a certain extent, has proved that money does get you better thinkers, better strategists. But, you know, you got to remember what we're, what we're missing on all this is that. <laughs> I think even in the Texas case and the OJ case, what was exploited was <coughs> not anything other than prosecutorial laziness and sloppiness. Mm-hmm. That's all. When you get a good criminal defense attorney, that's really what you're getting. You're He's get- picking apart the prosecution. And it's and and in the OJ Simpson case, it wasn't that hard to pick apart the prosecution. I mean. Yeah, you had to hire some real rich guys and you had to hire an expert and you had to hire someone to come in and cross-check everything that they were doing. But remember, in the O.J. Simpson case... A bunch of incompetent cops. Uh, the crime scene uh, was all, right? Way they they helped them do half the work. Whew. Listen, the criminologist DA, DNA forensic guy, mm-hmm. whatever that guy's name, right. Tagabaga or whatever, I don't know his last name, Tanaka, what was his name? Yeah, yeah. Do you remember his name? Look up his name. Lakshangawanga. Anyway, that guy, right? One of the things that he did wrong that Barry Sheck pointed out was, dude, that does not look like an L.A. You took this photo, right, sir? Yeah. That's a photo of the crime scene. Yeah. Okay. And so there's one of the victim's bodies underneath that, correct? Yeah. Okay. And I see that one of the blankets on top of the fucking thing, of the body, it doesn't look like a standard issue LAPD blanket, does it? No. Well, where did that blanket come from? We got it from Nicole Simpson's house. Mm-hmm. Oh, you took a blanket from inside the house? Yeah. And you threw it over the body. Yeah. And Is that standard? destroyed all the fucking. Any possibility that there was DNA? Had OJ Simpson ever been over to that house? Sure. Any chance that. Is that part of the LAPD protocol is to use the house with, I mean, how many hairs, how many skin cells do you think were in that blanket? We don't know. Is that the protocol? No. Well, do you think there was something to that? Do you think, because there's people that subscribe to the idea that these LAPD officers fucked up this fucking crime scene intentionally. Do you believe that or is that too off the... Boy, I don't know what I believe. Because didn't they walk around with regular shoes and stuff like that and step in the blood and shit too? I don't know what I believe. I, this is, I don't know. This is what I'll tell you. I don't know what I believe on that. Because in that case, when I looked, when we did Labyrinth and we talked about Biggie and fucking Tupac and how much off duty LAPD were on the payroll for doing security for Aftermath and fucking Suge Knight, right? Mm-hmm. And all that shit. Uh, I really got real clear on the fact that, you know, I know that there's some good cops, and I know that, but I got real clear on the fact that 
there's a real blurry line between criminals and police. Just blurry. Local law enforcement. Easily. Fucking federal as far as I'm concerned. Look at Epstein. Jesus Christ. Exactly. Exactly. So I'm starting to look at all the off-duty police officers that were part of the fucking racist insurrection. Yeah. Right? Fuck that. All right. So now I'm looking at it. And listen, Furman, and it's not contested, was a neo-Nazi who had Nazi memorabilia at his house who referred to black people as the N-word repeatedly. And when he was asked by one of the great F. Lee Bailey, one of the great drunks <laughs> of all time. I mean, it's so great. Martini lunch. Oh, I mean, the guy's, the guy's nose looked like a rotten strawberry. Uh-huh. I mean, but it was great because they had Furman on the stand, right? And they're like, sir. Have you ever used the N-word to refer to a person of African-American descent? And it was all black jury right there. All black jury right there, about eight feet away. Furman says, no, sir, I did not. And then what's fucking... They pull out a tape recorder. Well, it's better than that because in the cross, everybody goes, okay, sir, so if somebody was to come in here today and said that you had used the N-word against an African-American person, they, sir, would be a liar? Yes. Then they brought the tape. And, 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 and the jurors, the African-American jurors, no. Look, I don't know if you can throw a rock in anywhere in the United States and someone hasn't used the N-word once. I mean, come on. Right. What the fuck are you talking about? And you're trying to tell me you're a cop and you've never said it? Give me a fucking break. All credibility gone. But he was a racist. And the prosecution knew his reputation better than anybody else. And they gamed it out. They must have said, what are you going to say? How are you going to approach it? My firm conviction is that Furman would have said, yes, I have. I'm not proud of it. I am a little bit racist, maybe a lot compared to some. I have used it, but I'm not lying about this. Mm-hmm. I think that they might have actually got that. I think, I think, yeah, the gloves not fitting was something. I think what really got him was that one of the lead detectives fucking lied on the stand and everybody knew it. There's no way you can put a man away on a reasonable doubt basis and have cops, lead detectives, lying on the stand and it actually be shown a lie. And the lie on the stand all the time, it's never mm-hmm. caught out. Right. That, to me, suggests that it was actual incompetence. Like, I don't know how Marsha Clark and Chris Darden didn't say, we got to decide what we're going to do with Furman. He's racist. He's used the N-word. Shit, everybody uses the N-word. We all know that. And we know that's where Johnny Cochran's going to go. Right. That's and the, he did. And mm-hmm. he did. So how are we going to handle it? Are we going to do a, a, a Bob Durst and say, yes, but that doesn't mean I'm lying about this, mm-hmm. right? Yes, that's the truth. It's an ugly truth. I cut up the body. That's true. Yeah, yeah. I didn't kill him. That's mm-hmm. different. I think, that they, I think that they might have gotten a conviction had they told Furman, just tell the fucking truth. You're racist. And then fuck it. Like, we all know it. 
And I think even African Americans would have respected that. At least they would have been like, yeah. they would have yeah. been like, yeah. well, at yeah. least he's being honest. Yeah, yeah. So I think when I think about OJ, I don't, I don't think it was thrown. I don't think it was thrown. I think it was a lot of incompetence. And that they were able to pick all the incompetence apart. And they were able to pick all the incompetence apart. And it costs a lot of money to do it because you need to have experts come in and say that's fucked up. So that's the Robert Durst case. Now, I, Robert oh. Durst is now, when is he going on to trial? So April. 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 This year. We should definitely do a recap show and let the fans and everybody know what happened with Robert Durst. prepared and ready to get bail. All right, let's see if I can just get a touch of the opening statement of the prosecution. Can have one moment, Robert? Yes. Yeah, it is not going to be short. This is a prosecutor. It's going to be a lengthy presentation. And the reason it's going to be a lengthy presentation is logical order during the trial. We just can't do it because we're dealing with the logistics of 100 plus witnesses and trying to coordinate everybody. 100 plus witnesses. This opening statement is going to be your opportunity to see the evidence in a logical and in a primarily chronological order. Uh, Unfortunately, this will probably be. I hate when attorneys wind up before they actually get to the goddamn thing. Of Kathy Durst, the killing of Susan Berman, and the killing of Morris Black. So I'm not going to start at the beginning. I'm going to start at the beginning of the case that you are here to decide, which is the murder of Susan Berman. Still fucking wind up. That's three and a half minutes of fucking wind up. You know what, man? I got to tell you something, man. I fucking, I hate it when I hear an attorney go up and do an opening or closing statement and there's no fucking passion in the voice. I hate that. I hate it when you hear a guy like that. Yeah. When he's like. Sounds like a robot. He's he's just like, you know, it sounds like a bureaucrat, like a fat fuck bureaucrat with fucking nipple rings and donut (laughs) cravings. I'm like, dude, say something like, I want you to. I want it to sound like you care about the fucking case. Nipple rings. Anyway, I'm not going to go through this thing. Uh, yeah, nipple rings and donut cravings. Wow. That's the name of my next album. Uh, Sean, wind us out, bro. Yes, That's the it. Robert Dirk True show. True crime, Dirk's show. That's it. True Mahan. True Mahan, crime Mahan. Uh, uh, yeah. Special K. Yes. The Rizzle. Fizzle, my nizzle. Yes. My nizzle. Yes. Right? Sean. Sean. Sean at hardluckshow.com. Yeah. You. Ovando Bowen LLP. Fucking closing arguments, opening statements with fucking pride and passion. Go to my Instagram page. Check out my fucking run videos, my goddamn poetry, and everything else in between. Know what I mean? Yeah. What else you got? We got a shout out. Hard Luck Show. Tune in Mondays and Thursdays. Uh, Supermax Hardware. www.supermaxhardware.com. Check us out. Hard to kill. Um, vibes and cookies. And so out. shout out to Soul Assassins in the city of Santa Monica. All right. Well, shout out to Rich Garcia. Shout out to Juan Mon. Keep driving that truck, brother. Uncle Bob. Aida Arduña. Big shout out. El Rompe Costillas. 
Matt Ross, you fucking silly fuck, went to went to law school with that dude. Dude's yeah. a big fan of the show. Uh, Piper Jason, Jason, what's up? The Mike R. Gill, we got a call, buddy. I want to talk to you. Queens of the Underworld, keep trying to save them hoes. St. James Sense, you know what's up. J1, 1987, Orange County, 66. Darth Omar, 1904. Cecilio Quintero. You know yeah. what I'm saying. Uh, stripper Venom. Keep sending those photos. Those are crazy photos. I like it. Darren Craig, dude. Come on back. Come back, dude, buddy. With your ears on out there. <laughs> what you got? Nothing. Uh, Cadote Parks, Weaves, and... Uh, Calco five five two two holding it down. Cadote. Cadote. Brody Skadote. Cavote. Get back to the neutral lab. Fucking time to fucking go see the UFO. And like we do about this time. Adios, amigos.